Well, that was another good one. That really was a very impressive performance. Um, I am in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at a conference in a hotel room, uh, writing my blog, taking a break from that to do the podcast. Just really excited to talk, actually, today. Got some really interesting topics that I wanted to discuss. Um, And so let's dive straight into it. Uh, The sliding doors moment... I felt uh, of the game was certainly the goal. I know that's an easy one, uh, but I just wanted to talk more about the goal rather than worry about what that moment was. Um, The difficulty uh, level of that goal, the fact that it was his weak foot, half volley um, behind him, you know, I don't know that that's really been talked up enough that really was a fine goal plus on the back of what I think needs to be a cross that we need to consider more you know there's normally uh, three layers of defenders when you cross there's the first layer that runs into the six yard box to protect the most likely uh, cross then there's the second layer which will come behind it might be one or two players but there's another layer of players trying to protect the cutback and then there's a gap between that layer and then the the final layer which is uh, they'll have somebody coming close to the top of the box right and Tommy Yasu found that gap and that was an excellent cross I'd like to think it was intentional um, but kudos to Tommy Yasu and what a fantastic uh, finish from Xhaka considering Okay, here's uh, another thought as well. If we do have a contest in the sliding doors category uh, between the goal and another moment, it would be the 87th minute. Do you remember in the 87th minute, uh, Noni Madaweke broke um, through uh, the PSV half and was close to the halfway line when uh, I think it was Kieran Tierney first brought him down or tried to and then Odegaard finished the job and they both took yellow cards and that's something that um, I personally uh, hate (laughs) not those two doing that in that moment I loved it of course because I'm an Arsenal fan but generally speaking in football I think that there's been a need for a sin bin for a long time because you know the punishment doesn't fit the crime that's a pretty large crime just a a player breaking through and having a great opportunity to uh, get himself to the last layer of defenders and he's just intentionally hacked down and gets a free kick 75 yards from his target with the entire Arsenal team behind the ball. I think the rules of football are way, way off there. But uh, we take advantage of them, intelligently so, and uh, Arsenal never used to do that. So I want to give them a round of applause. And I think that was a sliding doors moment because he was... Dangerous, And we're going to get on to some of the PSV players in a minute. And he was the one that stood out for me. Uh, and I'm aware he's, he's actually British, if you knew that. Um, he's actually at Tottenham in their academy. But uh, he's somebody that Gail Southgate should have already been looking at. Because he's electric. He's a game-changing substitute, if nothing else. And uh, we stopped him there. And that could have been the equaliser, which changes everything as far as team selection, for sure, moving forward. Um so there we go. I wanted to mention this one as a positive. You know, I have been trying to figure out 
what is the single most important change in Arsenal this season that has moved us from being a team that was bumbling around mid-table at the beginning of the season, trying to squeeze back up into the top six and then possibly get into the top four and now being four points clear at the top of the league. And I think if, if there's one single thing that's the most important shift, it's the amount of mistakes we make. You will never ever, as a player or a team, play a game in any sport, I think, where you don't make mistakes. Certainly a sport where there's an opponent. Um, so, having said that, um, you will never look for perfection. But Arsenal are getting pretty close to playing games of football without any big mistakes. And if there is a big mistake, we seem to come back from it. And we certainly don't crumble. So, I think that perhaps the biggest single positive of this season is that we have cut out mistakes. And if you're an Arsenal fan of any length of time, you'll know that we maybe are the kings, the winners, the kings of shooting ourselves in the foot. In fact, I wrote a blog, I think it was last season, and I actually thought to myself throughout the season, what's going to be my title of the sort of the post-season Review, and I thought it would be, you know, uh, shooting yourself in the foot or something like that because we did it so often, but now we don't, and the mistakes are getting fewer. Love it. Okay, pushing on to the need that I want to pick out, um, not going to be negative with this, just say that I think that there is a need to um, be intelligent with that uh, squad that's sent out and certainly the team that's picked next Thursday against PSV. Uh, I believe we play uh, Nottingham Forest the week after, so don't want to be complacent. That should be arguably the easiest fixture of the entire season. So maybe there's some value in picking a team similar to what we did tonight with a a few first-team players in it, even though we can afford to lose the tie and still come top of the group. And I'm not sold on that thought. Um, I would be fine, I think, if he picked an entire second string, much like he has for most of the the group stages. Um, Got to be careful with Gabriel and Saliba because they've played a lot. So wondering, uh, here's a thought, if he plays Tommy Esso and Holding at centre-back, Uh, and brings in Cedric um, to play what would be perhaps his first game of the season. I'm I'm not sure. I guess that is. Uh, And and then, of course, you know, Tierney's been in and out, and uh, you could play Tierney on that side. Um, I'm just concerned about White and Gabriel and Saliba in particular, and more concerned about injury uh, than I am about results in the Europa League at this point. That's going to be a really interesting selection. I wonder what he's going to do. Would love, 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 uh, I feel this way every year, to see, you know, an academy player or two get some significant minutes, be it in that game, which I doubt that would happen, but in the last game. Uh, Love for that last game to be a dead rubber to where we could give a handful of them their debut because there's some... There's a, some real talent coming through there. And 
if you've watched the Inside Hail End um, documentary series on uh, the dot com, you will be aware of that guy. Uh, I don't know how he says first name, but his last name is Maldini. He's uh, half Italian, half... I forget what the other half was, Hungarian or something? Anyway, he looked like a serious talent, and he's a centre-back. And how often do we get centre-backs come out of the academy, you know? So um, a player like that, that would be a really interesting uh, player to see. And there are others, of course, that are knocking probably harder on the door. Um, Kyan Edwards would be one, and the list would go on. Of course, it would have been lovely to see someone like Charlie Patino, but of course, he's uh, he's on loan. Anyway, I digress. Let's move on. Wanted to talk about some of the PSV players because PSV, regardless of how meek they were, they have some serious talent at that club. Of course, everyone's talking about Cody Gakpo, and I, uh, I think that he was just intelligently shut down by one of the best offenders in Europe in Tomiyasu and some smart tactics. I think he will likely go to the top. So I think there's interest there and I'd be interested in pursuing him and and maybe more so perhaps because, um, you know, he offers us that target man option as being a big guy if we ever were to need it. Then there's Sangare, who I thought was um, a little negative in his performance uh, and he didn't play particularly well. I've seen differing viewpoints on his performance. Um, but he has been uh, one that many have said is going to be the next big thing in defensive midfielders. I think after Ryan Gravenberch was uh, taken by Bayern Munich, he, he was more of an eight, though, than a six. But uh, that would be one to keep an eye on. Joey Veerman, again, somebody else that didn't really shine offensively, but keep an eye on that one. Um, Javi Simons, the one who had their best effort of the night, he was the guy, actually, that was one of the social media, first social media uh, footballing uh, sort of TikTok-type stars, even though TikTok wasn't around, um, with his ball juggling. You might remember this guy with kind of a uh, lots of dreadlocks or a big afro. I forget which one it was, but he uh, was always on social media doing these incredible tricks. And he's that same guy. Uh, Barcelona took him, and now he's at... Uh, PSV, uh, much better for him, I'm sure, that he's getting to, to play. But the one that uh, I've been interested in for, not interested for Arsenal, but interested in his development for years is Madueke, who came on and was the guy who was electric uh, and was brought down, as I said earlier. I just think that there's such value to having, you know, if we need a fourth winger, uh, he's going to be maybe third or fourth choice for the most part for him being electric. And I know that Saka's pretty quick and Martinelli's fairly electric, but if you can have one of those guys on the bench, you know, and the game is getting uh, on and the opponent's tired, and for as much as I respect people's opinion, most people don't like Adama Traore, I do. I think he's got a lot more value than other people think. And uh, But it's, again, it's that type of player that not only is electric and can wear out teams that are already tired but a player that takes uh, more than one opponent with him so I think what 
teams are figuring out with Saka and probably why Arsenal are being more successful and Saka's been more successful as the season's going on compared to even last season is that they realise we're good. And so if you put two or three people around Saka, that's probably not smart because Arsenal can come at you from every angle and they've got players in all areas of the field that are scoring right now. So it's interesting, but keep an eye on Madueke. So the other player that I wanted to mention, almost forgot, is uh, Javi Benitez, their keeper. I was impressed. They were talking him up on uh, the feed that I had and I'd heard of him, not really seen him play before, but I was impressed and then I found out afterwards that he's 19. And for a 19-year-old to be in goal for any top European team and, of course, you know they're historically... Uh, number one or number two in Holland every year. That's pretty impressive. So just thought I'd mention that because a player like that, you know, if the trajectory goes the way it should, then no doubt he'll end up at a top club one day. Needs to be careful, though. Uh, Don't need to do that too early, as many have done. Okay, um, and the final uh, thoughts about the transfer window... Um, are Declan Rice keeps floating in the back of my mind. That's a strange thought. Um, And I'm wondering if Arsenal are going to go big. Um, Not so much in January, but this summer. I wonder about Jude Bellingham, whether we're going to throw our hat in the ring. Might be too late. Maybe he's off to Real Madrid. There's rumours. But I wonder if... If, say, for example, that Arsenal were to win the Premier League and that would be rather impressive, then I feel like why would we not try to throw our hat in the ring if we wanted to? You know, all clubs would like to have certain players and they don't bother throwing their hats in the ring if they think they're wasting their time and energy when they could be focusing on somebody else. But Declan Rice is a different scenario uh, I think we'd have more of a chance. Of course, he's slightly different position. He's a six and Bellingham's an eight. And um, I, I'm i a fan of Declan Rice. I don't know who he isn't, really. He's just got a very well-rounded game. And I think it's certainly going to be 100 million plus is going to do it. And I don't know how I feel about Arsenal spending that on somebody who may not even be first choice. Um, Of course, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? 100 million on somebody who's going to sit on the bench where you're going to say, well, he's going to play then, isn't he? He's he's just going to play. So, you know, but then Thomas Partey. And there's an argument for sure that Thomas Partey is a better player. Um, But... There's the fitness issue and then there's the age issue and the new contract for Thomas Partey is going to have to be decided. Are we going to do it? Are we not going to do it? Uh, Are we going to be smarter about players coming into their 30s? Does every player coming into their 30s fade like Aubameyang and Lacazette did? No, they don't. How do you deal with that? So the Declan Rice, whoever gets him, is going to be better off. And are Arsenal going to now invest in less players but players who are now already in the elite category 
And I think he's right on the cusp of that. Um, but I could talk this one both ways. I could say that we have bought smartly and now put ourselves in a, a position where we look like a Champions League team in, in the Europa League and uh, look like we could compete at that level with what we've got, you know, buying Martinelli for £6 million and plucking guys out of our own academies. And why would we need to think about spending 100 to £120 million on a, on a Premier League player from West Ham. And so I can argue that, and then I can also say, well, if, you, if the player that you want who fits your system and you've got smart recruitment now and you're not just buying players because of cheaper prices or you know contractual situations that work out for you and you're actually buying them because you truly want them, then you probably need to ignore the price if your owner is willing to stump up the cash and it works for the club. And there's an argument, and I think this is where I sit, that the answer in, let's say, next summer's transfer window could be somebody for free. There's a lot of good players who are going to be on the market for free. It could be somebody that's between 5 or 10 million, like somebody like Martinelli. Or it could be somebody that's 100 million. And I don't think a club should ever really box themselves in to saying we're not going to do that. I think the joy of the new Arsenal is that the players being chosen seem to be the perfect fit and the price seems to be secondary. Hallelujah for that. I remember the days, we all remember the days where we had these so-called budgets. And my final thought is, whoever comes in in January, next summer, be it Rice, be it Bellingham, for example, be it Mudrick, rumours of Mudrick from Shakhtar coming in to play on the wing, they want more than £50 million. These players are going to have to be bloody good to get in Arsenal's first team. And I never thought a year and a half ago that I'd ever think that. Have a nice week. Cheers. Ooh.